0: This is the Inside the News podcast, Investigating Rape. This podcast is a collaboration between the Star Tribune and WCCO Radio. We look at how law enforcement in Minnesota handles the investigation and prosecution of rape and sexual assault. What you're about to hear is based on the reporting and audio recordings of Brandon Stahl, Jennifer Bjorhus, Mary Jo Webster and video journalist Renee Jones-Schneider. I'm your host, Jordana Green. In our last episode, we told you the story of Alicia Erickson, whose rapist was sentenced to seven years in prison. It doesn't always end that way, even for a convicted rapist. In Minnesota, those convicted of felony sexual assault or rape often go free, no prison time, and even no jail time. That is the case of Emma Topp who was raped by a man she trusted the most.
1: I shared everything with him. He was easily my closest friend.
0: Emma Topp is talking about her best friend, Nick Schumacher.
1: In high school, we had an on and off again relationship, kind of had complicated feelings for him. (laughs)
0: Their friendship ended in the summer of 2016, when Nick raped Emma.
1: We um, volunteered uh, to be chaperones for the drum line that we were previously a part of. It had been a really long day, and we were all just really exhausted. Nick was like, do you just mind if I share the pull-out couch with you? And I was like, nah. We had had group sleepovers all the time, you know? He kissed my cheek. I pulled away. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm just really anxious and you know, don't really feel comfortable. And he was like, it's okay. We can, you know, move slow, whatever. Then he tried kissing me again and he took my hand and put it on his penis and I freaked out. I started like hyperventilating and just sobbing. And he kept apologizing and saying like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to push you. And I just kept crying and saying, I told you I didn't want to go any further. And so I actually left the hotel room and I went to the public bathroom by the pool.
0: Eventually, Emma did go back to the hotel room. She got in bed and fell asleep.
1: The next thing I remember is waking up and feeling really confused because there was something heavy on me and I couldn't feel my shorts and then I realized that my shorts were down to my ankles and that the heavy thing that was on me was Nick and I was just in shock. I couldn't even think of what to do. And then what got me out of my days was he whispered in my ear, where should I come? And I knew I wasn't dreaming. I rolled, or I kinda like wiggled out from underneath of him and I just laid there. That was it, I just laid there. I didn't even do anything. I didn't even pull up my shorts and I didn't even cry. I just laid there. I didn't even feel like calling the police was an option at all. How was I supposed to call the police on my best friend? On my drive home, I was alone and I was confused and angry. I texted Nick and I said, do you know what you did to me last night? In my eyes, you, you raped me. And he said, you're right, I did. I never meant to and I'm sorry, but I did.
0: Emma's mother convinced her to press charges, and she and her family suffered through a rape investigation and trial for more than a year. And then she got a call from her attorney.
1: I got a call, and she said they came back with a verdict. She said, Emma, it came back guilty. I felt so relieved.
0: Her relief was short-lived, because next was sentencing.
1: When Judge Quayton's delivered the sentence, I felt very betrayed. He got a year in a workhouse and a $1,000 fee, and the opportunity to lessen the charge to a misdemeanor in five years. I felt like it was a slap in the face because to me, It will always be a sexual assault. It will always be a rape. It will always be that memory.
0: Nick Schumacher, Emma's rapist, was found guilty of felony sex assault. According to the Minnesota Sentencing Guidelines, he was supposed to serve four years in a state prison. But he was sentenced to a year in the county jail. He was out nine months for good behavior. For the last two years, a team of journalists at the Star Tribune has been digging into how rape and sexual assault are investigated, prosecuted, and sentenced in the state of Minnesota. Brandon Stahl says Nick Schumacher's sentence is no surprise. Lenient sentences are commonplace in Minnesota.
2: over and over and over again we saw sentences where people were convicted of felony sex crimes of felony rapes who were getting jail some some weren't even getting jail they were getting probation they were getting some time served
0: why and i mean it seems like if you get convicted of rape you should have to go to prison why is that not happening what
2: we found was that in cases where the victim knew the attacker the Judges in the system were far more likely to be lenient. Probation agents were far more likely to recommend probation or jail. Judges were far more likely to do- depart downward and give jail in those cases. Which, you know, when you talk with victims like Emma Tobb that, that they knew their rapist, to them, almost made it worse. This was somebody that they trusted before. Mm -hmm. This was somebody that they thought was their friend, and it turned out the exact opposite. And when that happens, when you lose all trust of that person, you start to lose trust of everybody. That's how they explained it to me. They start to question all of their relationships. They question everything about themselves.
0: I know you tried to reach out to some of the judges who hand down these sentences. Did you ever get a response as to why they downgrade the present time?
2: Not from an actual judge, no. Um, this gets a little technical. But before every sentencing, a uh, somebody convicted of rape is... Um, Review, there's a psychological exam done, and there's a standard exam given to all of these people who are convicted of this crime. tries to predict their likelihood of reoffense, and if they have a low score on that, if that shows that they're amenable to probation, that they probation might help them more than prison, then the judge is more likely to down to downgrade too. And in addition, in Minnesota, we have a much more lenient. Uh, sentencing structure than compared to other states. We have one of the lowest prison rates in the country. We have one of the highest probation rates in the country. And that's generally because people who have created our sentencing laws believe that the fewer people in prison, the better off we are because people who are in prison, when they get out, they're more likely to re-offend than people who are on probation. They're with people in the community. They're trying to turn their lives around. At least that's a theory behind that.
0: But we also know that people who rape tend to rape again. Yeah,
2: we do know that most people who rape, rape again, and that they need treatment. And if they don't get that treatment, they're likely to reoffend again. We're ultimately looking at what can we do to make sure that this person doesn't reoffend again. We cannot lock them away for the rest of their lives, at least most of them. That wouldn't be right either. So what do you do? You Hopefully, put them into treatment. Hopefully, they change their lives. And if you, and the thought is that if you send them to prison, if you put them around people who are are you know showing the same kind of behaviors then that's going to only increase their likelihood of reoffending. Mm-hmm.
0: What about the fact that those who knew each other got lighter sentences? Did the judges have anything to answer to that? Or why? maybe they didn't return your call, but uh, what's the reasoning behind if it's an acquaintance rape, you get a lighter sentence?
2: I think because it's viewed as less severe. I, I, we, we saw so many cases where if if a, if a stranger had done these crimes, There's no way that that person would have gone to jail, and yet, because the person knew their attacker, a judge was going to be far more lenient Hmm. and likely to hand out a a lesser sentence. The most egregious case that I found involved a woman in south southeastern Minnesota. Um, She had been at a uh, like a car show or a truck event, like a small town, you know, car show. Mm -hmm. And she um, was pulled into a truck by an ex-boyfriend, an ex-boyfriend's friend, and raped. And she reported almost right away. It would take two years to even charge the case, even though after the rape, this woman got a text from the man saying, I raped you, and I'm sorry. So it took that much time to even charge. Then it went through the courts for three years. So these two were charged with criminal sexual conduct and a third degree of felony. Minimum sentence under Minnesota statute is about 40, 41 to 48 months if they're convicted. Both of them pleaded guilty. Neither of them got a day in jail. Wow. One of both of them got probation. One of them, if he completes probation, will basically have the crime wiped off his record.
0: How does that happen? Are they within the guidelines that no. the commission no, sets is, out?
2: No, that's a judge departing from the guidelines. That's that departure was also based on the recommendation of, of a prosecutor. Sometimes it happens because the prosecutor wants a deal, doesn't worries about going to trial and losing. And so if you can avoid that, if you've got a, you know, the bird in the hand, so to speak, you can get a conviction. You get it on the person's record. Then that's a win, even if that person isn't going to be severely punished for that crime.
0: How did the victim feel about this sentence? She was devastated.
2: She wished she had never reported She wish she had never gone through with all of this, with any of it. She still feels in fear for her life.
0: Brandon, is Minnesota a more lenient state when it comes to sentencing?
2: Yes, we are. You know, I tried to compare Minnesota to other states that have similar sentencing rules. Well, in other states, for the same type of crime as your rape crime in Minnesota, the penalty is far more severe. You know, Kansas, I I think it was like the minimum started at like 20 years. North Carolina, you could never go to jail for rape in North Carolina. The same as in Ohio, the same in Oregon. They're going to go to prison. You know, Minnesota was one of the few states that I found, maybe the only state that I found, where if you were convicted of rape, you can still get jail.
0: After writing this story... And hearing some of these sentences, do you feel that some of the people that were even convicted of rape got away with it?
2: I think I feel like the women that we spoke with, they felt like their rapists got away with it. They felt like the punishment that they received didn't remotely match the pain and trauma and suffering they had to go through and still go through as a result of the rape. The most common sex sex assault isn't by a stranger, but it's far more common by somebody that you know, and yet we're punishing those less severely. The Minnesota Sentencing Guidelines Commission, we uh, showed them our numbers, and they really didn't seem at all concerned by this. They basically think that this is the way the system should be working.
0: Come on. Clearly the system did not work for Emma Top, so I went to the source. Pete Orput is the Washington County attorney. He was also appointed in 2016 by the governor to serve on the Minnesota Sentencing Guidelines Commission. I asked if he thought the system was working. Pete, if somebody's convicted of rape, yeah. how is it ever okay that they walk away and do no jail time?
3: It's not. I advocate on a daily basis to hold people to account under the Minnesota sentencing guidelines. And what makes the guidelines so good? In my view, if you go to a state like Wisconsin, it's called indeterminate sentencing zero to 10 years, zero to 20 years. And a judge can give you zero or 20 years. In Minnesota, the box you end up on, based on your criminal history points and the severity of the crime you did, is the presumptive sentence and that shall be followed unless there's some extraordinary grounds for a downward departure the takeaway is georgian what's frustrating is people hear the word rape and they think where's the oak tree and the rope i appreciate that too you know i had six sisters and i have a daughter i appreciate that too and by the way boys get raped too you can't say, you have to really look into what were the elements of the crime what did they prove um, and, and that matters where it ends up on the guidelines. So it really does matter. Now, there have been a couple of big cases we've read about in the paper, our local paper, where a judge gave a departure, and people were fairly outraged, uh, and a judge can do that. They have the legal authority to do that. Uh, they do it at their peril politically, but they they have the authority to do that, and they use that discretion that they have.
0: Are judges in Minnesota doing a good job sticking to your guidelines, or are they being too lenient on some of these rapists?
3: Well, see, that's always a question that comes up before the guidelines. Um, we, we look to see, are there a number of departures being given by judges?
0: Because I'm looking at the data, Pete, and the STRIB has here about two-thirds of those convicted received less than a year yeah. behind bars. I mean, that's frightening. Um,
3: yeah, well, it is. And and when you look at that now...
0: These are convicted rapists, the two-thirds of those convicted. If
3: it's rape, then I would say, well, rape is, is too general of a word. If it's criminal sexual conduct and it's a felony crime sex and it's a presumed go to prison and there is a depart downward from the guidelines, in other words, either they cut the sentence apart or they don't even send them to prison, and two-thirds of those presumed commit to prison cases are being departed on, that would get a lot of attention from a lot of folks.
0: Talk to me, Pete, about acquaintance and sentencing. They're saying that when you know the attacker, when you know the rapist, the sentence is usually less. Why?
3: Well, it's funny. I've I've spoken with Brandon Stahl, who's done a phenomenal job reporting this. Mm -hmm. I think he's done a credit to law enforcement and prosecutors around the state with those articles. That brings a really good question. Why? These are date rapes often. And, you know, my frustration, Georgiana, is I've tried a number of date rapes and I lose them routinely. And not because I'm not a good advocate, I'm a zealous advocate. What I've found anecdotally, women jurors punish women victims and hold them to an incredible standard of believability and I've come out of court going I can't believe I just lost this case it was obvious she said he was raped or she was raped obviously you don't have witnesses to these crimes but rarely and you know and jurors are so tough on me and they're so judgmental of victims so that's one hurdle I have and another one is I, I don't want to impute why a judge would depart from the guidelines. They have to have... They, have to, they can't just do it willy-nilly. They have to put down grounds and file the grounds with the Guidelines Commission. So we have paperwork on every one of those downward departures showing why the judge gave a downward. And it, and it has to be justified in the guidelines. Hmm. Or the state can bring a... Uh, a sentencing appeal, even though they're often pure victories, because I rarely win those, but I've done them. Give me 12 guys on a jury, please, when it comes to crim sex. Because I go back and talk to my juries afterwards, even when I lose, and that's real hard to do. And I've gotten things like, she should have known better. Why'd she get in the car? And especially when they are people who know each other. And that, I, I, I cannot handle that. I just look at them and go, Boy, we're on different universes, aren't we? In my view, uh, rape is the quintessential exploitation, but the very worst exploitation, next to murder, is raping somebody. But uh, you know, judges are different than me. I'm, you know, I'm looking for justice for that victim, and uh, and also, and that means either the guy's going to own what he did, or I'll get the jury to own it for him. And then there's the punishment part, because this can't be free. And it should be onerous. It should be very painful. Mm-hmm. Some judges
0: see it a little differently
3: uh, based on the facts. What am I going to do?
0: But in the end, Pete Orput does stand by the current guidelines. We do have tools in there. We have an indeterminate
3: life sentence for these knuckleheads that keep doing it. Um, We have very painful consequences uh, for the rape where someone gets injured uh, or is threatened with death. That that guy's going to prison with no prior record for 144 months, that's what, 12 years? Mm -hmm. And you know, when they get to the joint, they're low man on the totem pole by the way, and I'm okay with that too. There's even honor among thieves in prison, you know. and. And so those sex offenders aren't welcome in the prison.
0: And despite defending the current guidelines, even veteran prosecutor Pete Orput sees room to grow.
3: You know, and when Brandon, when I read his article, Mr. Stahls, I was shocked. I go, I've been around. You know, I worked in the AG's office up and down the state. I haven't seen that kind of stuff. And but the numbers are there. I think all in all, I think there's great attention put onto this topic. I think every one of us can do, in law enforcement, can do a hell of a lot better.
0: Emma Topps' rapist was released from jail a few months ago. Her case is one of the only 8% of reported rapes that ever sees a conviction. While she felt the verdict was unjust, there was some satisfaction in being part of that
1: 8%. And at least this way, I stood up for myself.
0: In the next episode of Inside the News, investigating rape, some positive news. A team of three warriors in Utah is changing the way rape is investigated. And it's working. The results are amazing. Hear their stories next. Next. The Inside the News Investigating Rape podcast is created by me, Jordana Green, Jared Goyette and Dan Colhane, with WCCO Radio. With reporting and audio credits from the Star Tribune's Brandon Stahl, Jennifer Bjorhus, Mary Jo Webster and Renee Jones-Schneider. Star Tribune editing credits are Abby Simons, Dave Hagee, Eric Wiffering and Suki Dardarian.